morning. If you would, I'd like you to turn with me to our text this morning, which will be found in the Gospel of Isaiah, chapter 42. That's Isaiah, chapter 42. And our text will come from verse 4. Especially from the first phrase. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged. Till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isles shall wait for his law. Let us pray. O Lord, how merciful thou art, how long-suffering thou art to thy people, but full of love you are, mercy and peace. O Lord, I pray that this thy day you would come and join us, Lord, and if promised where two or more are gathered, that you would be here with us. Lord, I pray for fulfillment of that promise this morning, that thy mercy and thy peace would be upon us, and thy clarity, Lord, that you would reveal thy scriptures to us today. Reveal to us thy unfailing work, Reveal to us that you are successful in all that you have done and all that you are doing and all that you will do. Oh, Lord, I pray for the liberty to speak thy gospel today. How blessed it is. How blessed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is. Lord, may you be pleased to give us a desire and a love for thy word above all other things. Wean us, Lord, from this world. Draw our eyes unto Thee. Mortify that, Lord, which is unrighteous. And bring forth Thy righteousness. That we may behold Thee, Lord, for truly Thou art worthy. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll notice in my... When I ask you to turn to Isaiah, I refer to it as the Gospel of Isaiah. You know, Isaiah... A lot of, a lot of the old writers called it the Gospel of Isaiah because his writing is intimate. He writes like he was there when Jesus was born. He writes like he was there when Jesus was crucified. He writes as if he was there when Jesus came out of the tomb. That's, that's the intimacy that Isaiah had. That's why Many refer to it as the gospel. In the, in the gospels, Jesus referred to it over ten times. And they're constantly quoting the book of Isaiah. The words that Isaiah brings forth today are not Isaiah's words. We know that these are inspired men by the Holy Ghost. They write these words. But these are the words of the Father. These are the words of the Jehovah God. He is speaking of His Son, and He says, He shall not fail nor be discouraged in all that He did. In all that He did, all that He's doing, and all that He will do. And that's the Gospel. When Isaiah wrote this 700 years before Christ came, 700 years but yet he had that intimate knowledge to know that Christ would come and Christ was salvation to his people and Christ would rise again.
he wrote and what the Lord revealed to him was that he would be the one who would fulfill all that was written in the Old Testament. And that's what Jesus said. I came to fulfill. And all throughout the New Testament in the, in the four Gospels, you read those words. And this was done that the Scriptures must be fulfilled. And He took upon Himself to take part, to satisfy, to fulfill all the law in its entirety. There are 600 to 700 ordinances listed in the Old Testament. And the Lord Jesus fulfilled them all. And that's what Isaiah said He would do. And that's what the Holy Spirit tells us today. He shall not fail. And we can look to what Isaiah is saying that He would do, and we can see that He didn't fail when He came in the Gospel time. And then when we look at the Gospel, the four Gospels, we can read and we can see that when Jesus was born, that Satan and the world and Herod conspired to stop it, to put Him to death. But it didn't matter. He did not fail. And as He went to the or before He went to the cross, as He came here preaching, and as many were offended, and they came and they rushed upon Him to throw Him over a cliff or to stone Him, He just moved right in the midst of them and went away from them. Because He shall not fail. He shall lay down His life and He shall take it up again. And so that's what we see even in His death and in His resurrection. All of man said, or, or the, the leaders, the religious leaders said, put a surety on, on that tomb. They made people go and guard the tomb. They sealed it the best they could. Hell and all of the world, the religious world, were against Him. But He did not fail. He came forth. And that brings us to what the Lord says He'll do in the future. The Lord will come again. John writes about it. Peter writes about it. David writes about it. Isaiah writes about it. Paul writes about it. About the Lord coming again to take His people home. To judge the world in righteousness. And He shall not fail. And it doesn't matter what man says, and it doesn't, as according to the Scripture said, the men will mock in that time. And they'll say, where is your God? Where is His coming? But He shall not fail. And I pray this morning that as we look at what the Lord gave Isaiah, that He impresses that upon you. We have a lot of things in our life today that we fail in. Our government fails us. Our bosses fail us. The ones sitting next to us fail us. But He shall not fail. And He'll never be discouraged. What does that mean? It means your unbelief and my unbelief will not discourage Him from doing what the Scriptures say He will do. And what He has done. No man can ever stay His hand. No man. And I hope you see that this morning. Our journey this morning will start in the prior chapter. Because the prior chapter in 41 is where 
the groundwork is laid. Because we got to see, and this is the way the script, this is how faithful he is. The Lord causes his children to cry out to him. We pick up in 41 and we see in verse 2 that this was a time when the Lord raised up Cyrus. One of the most remarkable things that they were in Babylonian exile, they were in exile, and Cyrus was put upon his heart, was put upon his mind to let the people go back to their native land. And he gave them blessing, and he gave them victuals, and he gave them uh, riches to go back and to build, rebuild a wall. And in verse 4, we find out who did that. Was it Cyrus? Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I am He. I am the Lord, the first and with the last. I am He. And what was man's response to what the Lord did in setting them free. What is your and I response when the Lord gives us freedom and He gives us liberty in Him? Do we then go back to sinning again? Yes, we do. Does that thwart His purpose? Does that change Him keeping us and bringing us to our expected end in Him? That's my question for you today. Because as the Holy Spirit reveals to us that we are sinners, if you're like me, you feel worthless. You cry out to the Lord and you say, Lord, why would you save me? And the scriptures this morning tell us why. He shall not fail. He elected a people before the foundation of the world and He will not fail them. He will not. And you look at verses 6 and 7. They helped everyone his neighbor. What did they help everyone his neighbor do? Worship the Lord? No! They turned right back to idolatry. They turned right back to self-worship. They turn right back to themselves. They turn right back to religion. They helped everyone his neighbor, and everyone said to his brother, Be of good courage. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and he that smoothed with a hammer, him that smote the anvil, saying, It is ready for the soldering. What are they doing? They're building false idols. Again, after being delivered, this is the fallen nature of man that will always go back to sin, will always go back to the mire. That's the fallen nature. I hope and pray that the Lord causes you today to hate inside of you, to hate it with a holy hatred. That song we just sang, holy Holy, holy. He is a holy Lord. Thrice said, one for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And 
And you and I, as we go back to religion, or we go back to self, what is the Lord's response to His elect? I'm not talking about the world. What is His response to you and I? Well, let's look at it in verse 8. But thou, Israel, art my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. Thou, whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, and called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant. I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. That's the faithfulness of our shepherd to get the lost sheep and to bring him back as many times as it's needful. You know as you sit in that chair right now and you're thinking and dwelling upon your indwelling sin, you know how many times that is. How many times we don't trust Him and how many times we we erect an, an idol of self leaning upon our own understanding. looking at the world and judging things according to how the world lives. It says, that's that's good for me. But is the Lord thwarted in His purpose? Those we just said, just read, no, He's not. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. I will deliver thee. I will mortify your sin. I will destroy those idols in your life. I'll do it. You and I aren't going to do so well on our own. No matter how we read these Scriptures and our desire is to please the Lord, I believe that of everyone in here. You want to please the Lord. All of God's people want to please the Lord. But as the Apostle Paul said, as I look at my flesh, I see nothing dwelling there that's good. I don't find a way in me that can perform that which I need and I have to and I ought to do. So who's the answer? The one who says, I will not fail. I won't be discouraged. You and I are going to be discouraged. It's almost like a roller coaster in life. The warfare. We're caught up in the heavens at one time reading our Scriptures. The Lord's ministering to us. And the next minute we're in self-pity. In the world's pity. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I'll help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. How does he do that? How does the Lord then come and show us and set up Himself as our Lord and put down those idols. How does He do that? Well, the key to that is in 17. Look look with me in 17. When the poor and needy seek water, 
and there is none. Why would you seek water? Because you're thirsty. The Lord will bring you to the end of yourself. He will bring you to the wilderness where you can't find any nourishment for your soul. That's what He does. As we join ourselves to idols, as we join ourselves to religion, as we and to morality, to self-will, to self-righteousness, this holy God will not share the throne. He must destroy that, the dross that's in us, the wood, the hay, the stubble. He must do that. And He's already told us that He's faithful to do it. Now He's showing us how. He makes us to be destitute of all. We look at the world and and you know what? We don't want it anymore. We don't want what it has to offer because it can't fill our souls. It cannot take the place of Christ. It can't. Not in a believer's life. It may for a time. But it can't ultimately. Because of Christ in you, the hope of glory. When the poor and needy seek water and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. Which means He causes us to cry out to Him for deliverance. I shall not fail. He makes us to cry out to the one who shall not fail. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. He was forsaken of the Father so that you and I would never be forsaken. He stood in our place. He satisfied the justice of the holiness of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He did it. That's the robe of righteousness that He clothes us in. His finished His fulfilling of the law. His perfect obedience. I will open rivers in high places. And the fountains in the midst of the valleys, I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the shitta tree, and the myrtle and the oil tree. I will set in the desert a fir tree. I'll bring forth life in your barren soul. I'll bring you to the end of yourself. I'll show you that in yourself you are a barren fig tree. But I will water you. And I will plant you by the water, Psalm 1 says. I will set in the desert the fir tree and the pine and the box tree together that they may see and know and consider and understand together. All those things are things we don't have without Him. Knowledge, consideration, understanding, sight. All of them are what we depend upon the Lord for. And He says, I'm faithful and I'll give every one of them that present. Every one of them those things they have need of. That the hand of the Lord hath done this. And the Holy One of Israel hath created it. He makes all things new. I hope you see that today. He's the one that brings us out of the mire. 
And what about this world? What about these things that we have our clutches in? What about ourselves that we love so much? Well, listen to what he has to say. Verse 21. Produce your cause, saith the Lord. Bring forth your strong reason, says the king of Jacob. Let them bring them forth and show us what shall happen. Come on, flesh. Come on, idolatry. Bring forth your will. Bring forth what you have for mine elect. Bring it forth. Give it your best shot. Let them show the former things what they be, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them, or declare, a, 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 declare us things for to come. Tell us what's in our future. Tell us who holds tomorrow. You idolaters and you idolatry that we set up in our minds and the false religion and the self and all the ideas that we take from the world and we say, we have an understanding. We know what tomorrow will bring. That's why James told us to say, only Lord, if Thou will it, it will be done. If Thou will, Lord, that's right. Because it's in His hands. And He will do whatever He pleases. And He never fails. Show the things that are to come thereafter that we may know that ye are gods. Yea, do good or do evil. That we may be dismayed and behold it together. Behold, you are of nothing. Has the Lord pronounced that to you and your flesh? It is nothing to Him. He shall not fail. He brings forth victory. Your work of naught and abominations is He that chooseth you. Look at 26. Who is declared from the beginning that we may know? And before time that we may say He is righteous? Yea, there is none that showeth, there is none that declareth, there is none that heareth your words. It's all vanity. Our mind and what we set up in our minds and our wills is vanity. Anything outside of Christ is. That's what he's proving. If you don't believe me, let's keep going. The first shall say to Zion, Behold, behold them, and I will give to Jerusalem one that bringeth good tidings. For I beheld and there was no man. No man. We cannot put our trust in any man or any man that has anything to say. Our trust must be in the Lord. He shall teach us all things. There was no man even among them and there was no counselor that when I asked of them could answer a word. Behold, they are all vanity. Their works are nothing. Their molten images are wind and confusion. A good definition for what Satan brings about. What your flesh brings about. Confusion. Vanity. So what is the answer? What is the answer? The Father tells us. Look at the very first verse now. Behold my servant. 
These are the words of the Father. Behold my servant. Behold the Lamb. That's the message of the Gospel. That's the message to you today. Behold Christ. He's the one who doesn't fail. He's the one long in mercy that never fails. He's the one whose love doesn't fail. It's Him. And the Father tells us, Behold Him. Behold Him. Don't look at these things. Don't look at your false religion. Don't look at the men of this world. Don't look at the things that you've built your life upon. They're all going to perish. You're going to see that today. Behold my servant whom I uphold. I've ordained my servant. I have. My servant is my son. Hear ye him. <coughs> this is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. He calls him his elect. Do you know that is the first time in all the scriptures that word is used? And it's used to Christ. And it's spoken of the Father. He's mine elect. And now you understand a little more when the rest of the Scriptures speak of the elect, what it means to be in Him. He's the elect one. We as the body are the elect in the elect. Behold, mine elect, my Son, the one that I have, have given for salvation. Behold Him in whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him. We know that was true in his ministry. He shall bring forth judgment of sin to the Gentiles. And praise be to God that he did. Or you and I wouldn't be sitting here. Salvation is of the Lord. It's not in a nation. It's not in a people. It's in a person the person of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He shall not fail. Every one of us in here have needs this morning. We have physical needs and we have spiritual needs. We have spiritual needs because the Lord brings us to the end of ourselves. He's the only one that can fill that cup. He's the only one that can fill up that soul with Himself. It's not the things of the world. They're going to perish. You're going to see that today. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. Turn with me over to Philippians 2. This is what Paul had to say upon this point. He made himself of no reputation. He's not crying in the streets. He's not beating on the doors. He's not telling mankind to, oh, if you'd only choose me. No. Look at Philippians 2 and look at verse 6. Speaking of Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. God the Father and the Son are one. 
He said that many times. But he made himself of no reputation. He was born in a stable. Worse than that, he came down and he took upon our nature, our flesh, the flesh that we were born in. He was made flesh. He made himself of no reputation, was born in a stable. And he took upon him the form of a servant. That's who the Father's speaking of today. My servant, behold him. And was made in the likeness of men. He humbled himself. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He laid down his life for his friends. He did that. He came to save his people from their sins. He came to set captivity captive. He came to give freedom and liberty to His people no matter what age they live in, no matter what tyranny they live under, no matter what kind of country they live in, or what state that they're in. He set them free. He sets us free. He is our liberator. He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross That obedience is perfect obedience. Every one of those ordinances have been fulfilled. Every jot and tittle of the law has been satisfied and fulfilled. And that's all part of the Father's justice that must be satisfied. He's a holy God. We just sang it. Do you believe it? Or are we part of mainstream religion today that makes excuses for Him? And makes excuses for the time that we live. Oh, the Lord doesn't look at things that way anymore. This is a new age. This is a technological age. I am the Lord. I change not. Even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also has highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name. That's what the Father has done. He has exalted the Son and He's given everything to the Son. That's our reigning King. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. You know why? Because He shall not fail. And every knee will bow. Every knee. And of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You've been brought to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Remember when the Lord said to the disciples, He said, Who does man say that I am? And Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Lord said to you, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for my Father has revealed that to you. In our text this morning, this is what the Father is revealing to Isaiah. That's what I mean. It's intimate. He's revealing to him the Savior. 
700 years before he came. The same faith it takes for you and I to look back about the time he came and to believe it. Same faith. That faith moves mountains, the mountains of doubt, the mountains of fear, the mountains of unbelief. He's a merciful, compassionate, and long-suffering Lord. And as we are weak in this life, He is our strength. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. That's what verse 3 says. A bruised reed shall He not break. He will not cast us away. And a smoking flax shall He not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He will bring us to judge all things by His mind, His justice, His will. Not ourselves. And His righteousness. That's what He's going to judge the world in. He shall not fail nor be discouraged. You know, we think of all these pictures in the Old Testament and all of them pointing to Christ. And I think of Moses as he was dying and Joshua was going to take the people into the promised land. Moses said these things in Deuteronomy 31, verses 6 and 8. He said, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, He it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. This is going into the promise. You and I are the same way. When and if, and I shouldn't say when and if, but when that time comes for the Lord to usher us into the kingdom, to come and bring us home, He shall not fail. He shall not fail when He brings us to the promised land. He brings us to Himself. Verse 8 says, And the Lord, it is He that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. That was what Moses said to him. Don't be discouraged. Why? Because the Lord fails not, neither is He discouraged. You know how easy we get discouraged, right? We could be basking in the presence of the Lord and feeling like the Lord is leading us in a direction. Something in the providence happens. And it shakes us. And we get discouraged. And we start to think, well, was the Lord with me? Was the Lord teaching me? Has the Lord left me? Those are the things we ask. But the Lord doesn't change. That's what He's telling us. He doesn't fail and He's not discouraged. We've already spoken and said that His mercies fail not. That's what He revealed to Jeremiah in Lamentations 3. He says it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. 
Great is thy faithfulness. Those mercies are new every morning because of his faithfulness. He shall not fail. You and I, when we get a roadblock in our life, whether it's sickness or ailments or things going in our mind, fear. Fear is a debilitating sometimes. And sometimes that stops us. But it can't stop Him. Every day His mercies are new and His compassions, they don't fail. They fail not. That's how great our Lord is. His faith fails not. And yours, if it's His, won't either. How do I know? Well, that's what He told Peter in Luke 22, 32. But I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when you are converted or turned from the way you're going, strengthen your brethren. Strengthen your brethren. How do we strengthen our brethren? We speak the truth of the Gospel. That Christ is our all in all. That Christ is our rock. That Christ is our life. And His love never fails. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 tells us charity never fails. And Jeremiah told us it's an everlasting love. And we love Him because He first loved us. He's an unfailing Lord. That's what I want you to know today. And if you knew it when you walked in these doors today, praise God. And I hope you know it when you walk out of these doors today. Is anything too hard for our Lord? No. No. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged. Turn with me over to Hebrews 1. Last place that we'll turn today. Hebrews 1. And look at verse 8. We know how the Hebrews 1 always starts. We love to quote those. And the Lord is speaking to us that He speaks today through His Son and no other way through His Son. But look at verse 8. But unto the Son, He said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. His throne is forever and ever. Why? Because he shall never fail. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. That's that justice. That's that second half of our text this morning that says, He shall set judgment in the earth. Justice must be satisfied. And it was. He satisfied the Father's justice by becoming sin and paying the penalty and taking the wrath and the proper judgment upon that sin. Thou hast love righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. That's what we've heard today. That the Father has exalted the Son. And Thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of Thy hands. He's created it all. Then we're told something about this earth. They shall perish. You know, 
It's John and David and Isaiah and Peter and Paul who all say the same thing. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. Now listen to what this says. They shall perish. It's marred with sin. And what is that teaching us as we live upon this earth? Peter says it in 2 Peter 3. That's what he says. You ought to be, you ought to live this way, knowing that the earth and everything in it will burn up. Why do we put our clutches in the earth? Why is it that we we look at all the things in this world and our eyes get so excited and we think, wow, this is life? And it's not. Life is in the sun. Life is right here in the Lord Jesus Christ. This heavens and this earth that He has created, it's His to do what He pleased with. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up. Is anything too hard for the Lord? These are the things we think are so stable. We look up in the sky. We look at the trees. We look at everything. We say these are the things that that should last forever in our minds. But not the mind of our Creator. As a vesture thou shalt fold them up and they shall be changed. They shall be altered. Sin will be eradicated. Just like you and I, just like this body of ours. When He raises the new body, it will not have sin. It will be conformed to the image of the Son of God. The same one that He is reigning now in. I can't describe what that looks like. It's too glorious for me. And as a vesture, thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. He shall never fail. And he'll never be discouraged. And we've already seen what he thinks of the vanity of man and their ideas and their religious ideas. It doesn't matter. It's all garbage to him. It's all garbage. It's tekel. It's been found in the balances found wanting. It lacks truth. He is truth. I turn back to our text and we'll finish this this morning. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he has set judgment in the earth. That's what He came for, to send judgment upon the earth. It said the second time, the next time that He comes will not be for sin. He's already put sin away. He will judge the world in righteousness. And the isles shall wait for His law. That's what the people of God do. Because all of the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ. That's what his faith does. It trusts the promises of the Lord. We'll just read all the way through 9. I want to show you how he shall not fail. Thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spread forth the earth, and that which cometh out of it, 
He that giveth breath unto the people upon it, he shall not fail to give life. And spirit to them that walk therein, he shall not fail to give life and spiritual life to all that are his. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness. He will never fail to robe his people in his righteousness. And I will uphold, and I will hold thine hand and will keep thee. He never fails to preserve, preserve his own. Isn't that what he told the Father? All that thou givest me, I have lost none. Not one can pluck them out of my hand. assurance and a surety is our surety is our Savior our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and give thee for a covenant of the people for the light of the Gentiles to open the blind eyes to bring out of the prisoners from the prison he never fails to deliver I think we all know what that prison is sometimes our minds put us in that prison whether it's fear it's unbelief false ideas, whatever it is. We stay in that prison until we're delivered. But make no mistake about it. He is the deliverer. To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory will I not give to another. Isn't that what we've been bringing forth this whole time? I will not give my glory or share my glory with another. None of these false ideas, none of self, none of... I will not share my glory. He is faithful to never fail to bring glory to Himself. Neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. He makes all things new. We've seen that today. He makes all things new. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. He is the revelation of all truth that was, that is, and that is to come. Our text one more time. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged. Dear Heavenly Father, Add thy clarity, add thy power to thy gospel this morning, Lord. Fill our hearts and minds and souls with thyself. Lord, show us those promises in thy precious word. Show us, Lord, what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do for the glory of thee, Lord. Put down those false idols, whatever they may be, our minds, our thoughts, our fears, our religion. Lord, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.